Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. guys that uh, uh, passed the bucket. I didn't pray, and so again, that's always my cue for them to come up and, and pass it, so they're like, oh, what are we doing? So sorry that I threw a monkey wrench in that. Also, for our uh, kids, we're going to dismiss them. Mr. Chuck is waiting there in the back. We'll dismiss you at this time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as they're getting ready to leave, let me just again, you've heard it here, but we have our church picnic that is coming up next Sunday right after service. There is a sign up down at the uh, Connect spot. Listen, we want to have a good turnout, so fill out th those uh, uh, food uh, availabilities. And again, we're going to have a good time. With that being said, we're also going to do water baptism next Sunday during the picnic. And so if you've never been baptized or want to be, uh, go ahead and let us know, and we'll prepare for that ahead of time. I think there is a sign-up sheet down there as well, again, just so that we have the opportunity to know who is going to be uh, getting baptized. And once again, uh, team night, August 26th, you've heard that, but again, I want to reiterate that. It is going to be an amazing time. You don't want to miss it, so come and join us and uh, be a part of the team. Praise God. Are you ready? Amen. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. I heard, I heard that one cough in the back corner. <laughs> So anyways, uh, we're going to get into this in just a moment, but there's some things that just keep rolling around in my heart that I just cannot get away from, and so I just want to yield myself to this before we get into uh, the morning's message, uh, but that is, is, again, just in regards to the time in which we're living. You know, uh, I've said to you in the past that when it comes to in days gone by, there was times that we had thick enough skin that we could hear strong preaching. And you realize that strong preaching is necessary to help give us direction and correction if needed, right? Because God wants us to receive His best. And so again, you're here this morning, but there also might be people that are tuning in online. And so I just want to encourage you, because of the times in which we're living... There is always going to be opportunities for you to get into fear and get into worry. And that's obviously what we've been uh, ministering on. Don't worry, be happy. You're always going to have opportunities to get into fear and get into worry. And if you're just happening to watch online and you have joined us and been a part of our online audience, maybe some of you have gone to church or whatever the case is, but you just haven't been in a while. I just want to encourage you, do not let the spirit of fear keep you away from what God's wanting to do in your life. 
And so again, if you're watching online and you haven't been to church in a very long time because of fear of being around people, it's time that you get back to church. If your church is not in session because of the COVID thing or just uh, all the concern, then you're in the wrong church. And again, I'm sorry if that offends you. The fact of the matter is, is that God has called us to assemble in this hour. And so again, if you find yourself being fearful of coming to church simply because you don't want to get too close to people, once again, you're in the wrong church because if you were in the right church, they would be encouraging you to come in the corporate assembly where the presence and the power of God is to where you don't have to be fearful of sickness and disease. Amen? So once again, I want to encourage you, in this hour in which we're living, you're going to have great opportunities to be afraid. You're going to have great opportunities to be fearful. There's going to be things that are coming down the pipe this week, next week, and the next. It's a time that we stand up and say we are the body of Christ. We know who we live for. We know who's on the inside of us. Amen. And we're not going to cower down to come together because there is a move of God that God is doing. Amen. You know, uh, we may not even get to my message this morning. <laughs> you start ministering or talking, stuff just starts coming up. You know, just on the personal side, uh, there's been some things that, uh, there's some personal projects that my wife and I have been working on. And uh, to be honest with you, you know, when we started the project, we thought, you know what, well, we've got everything handled. You know, everything looks just so. And so there's no worries. And so we just started the process of some projects that we're working on. And we didn't even really take the time to pray about it. We searched our heart to say, God, is this a good uh, endeavor to start moving in and you know obviously I didn't have a, a red light to say you know no it's not something that we ought to do and so we proceeded to move forward but I'll be honest with you I didn't take the time to pray out the road ahead of us I just said okay don't have a red light so therefore we're good and as we proceeded to move forward, you know, we started to uh, experience extra, uh, uh, obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and as a result, I just started getting frustrated. I'm thinking, what's going on, Lord? And then I had to repent. I said, Lord, I, I, I've come to understand. I was praying about it one night, and the Lord brought it to my attention. I said, Lord, I said, I never, I've not even prayed about this thing. And I said, God, forgive me that I have not invited you to get ahead of this thing. And therefore, I'm out here by myself just thinking you're with me. But I didn't pray this thing out. And so we've had challenge after challenge after challenge. And then we finally got to the place where we started praying about the thing. And then we would have obstacle. Then we would have victory. And then I came to the church one night and I, I was praying around here. And as I started to pray, my intent was to pray about the project that we're working on. But as I began to pray, the only thing that would come out of my mouth, out of my spirit was, God, we need to move. And I would pray in the spirit for a little bit more, and I'd say these words again, God, I'm praying for a move. I'm praying for a move of God. I'm praying for a move of God. I'm praying for a move of God. And as I would continue to pray, I realized I wasn't praying about my personal circumstance. I was praying for a move of God. You realize when there is a move of God in the midst of the body of Christ, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, there is a move of God that will visit you because you're in the corporate assembly where there is a move of God. Amen. So a move of God doesn't just come and settle on a church building or a church congregation and stay there until the next time you get back. No, you get saturated with the presence and the power and the glory and the anointing of the Spirit of God. And you take the move of God with you wherever you go. Amen. So then, therefore, when the obstacles come against you or come to face you, they come in contact with the move of God. Yeah. 
Amen. When the enemy wants to stir up stuff in, in the house between husband and wife, they're going to come face to face with the move of God. Are you hearing me? And so I'm telling you, God's moving in the midst of our lives. And if you'll endeavor to lean in, you'll begin to see God move in the affairs of your life, even in the midst of the storms that are going on around about us. Amen? Amen. Well, that was sermon number two. You ready for sermon number three? I think I might have four this morning. So, <laughs> Amen. All right, so here's also one I want to encourage you. This has also been stirring in my heart for about the last week or so. When it comes to us assembling as the body of Christ, the Bible tells us that we have a unified spirit, a unified mind, and a unified voice, right? We are the body of Christ. But one of the things that I see oftentimes is that when we come together, we unify in physical body, but we don't unify in our heart or our voice. And so what I mean by that is when we come together in the corporate setting of the body of Christ... It ought to get a little bit noisy in the house of God. Amen. What do I mean by that? It means that we ought to be lifting our voice to praise and worship God. Amen. You know, oftentimes when we come together and we're singing together, do you realize that the singing is not for your entertainment pleasure? It is not. And you might say, well, you know what? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. You might be in one church and say, it just totally stinks. It does not matter whether they're good or bad, whether they totally stink in the place up. It is not for your entertainment. It is to lead us to a place into the presence of God. So it isn't a matter of whether they're singing on key. It's just a matter of whether or not your mouth is moving. Amen. So once again, they could be singing off key, and you could sing off key right along with them and step right in the presence of God face to face with him. Why? Because it's a heart thing. But if you sit there as a spectator, there are going to be people that are sitting next to you that go somewhere and have an encounter with God and have an experience in the presence of God, and you've been in the same place that they have been the whole time, and you just sat there saying, well, I wish I could get some of that. Well, see, it's connected to your voice, lifting up your voice. Amen. And so, for instance, again, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody, but like this past Wednesday, we had our first Wednesday uh, midweek service this week, and we had a time where we just worshiped the Lord. And I began to exhort everybody, let's lift our voice. Well, see, we oftentimes think that when it comes to the worship service, once the band stops playing, the worship is over. Oh, no, listen, you realize that worship can continue beyond the lyrics on the, the overhead. We can continue to lift our voice. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, then just make a joyful noise. Oh, God, I worship you. Amen. Do you realize that once again that the worship can extend into the receiving of the word of God? Oh, God, that's good. I heard something from heaven this morning. God's speaking directly to me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Why? Because you're continuing a heart of anticipation and expectation when we come together. Right? And so once again, I want to encourage you in the days in which we're coming together, in the days that we're assembling as we come together as the body of Christ, let's exercise our voice. You cannot give thanks and praise to God with your mouth closed. You can't praise God with your mouth closed. There is a direct correlation with you lifting your voice. And you might say, I've never done it. I don't know how to do it. Then just act like the person next to you. 
Maybe they're sitting still and being quiet. Maybe that's why you're already sitting still and being quiet. You act like them. No, come on. Find somebody that gets a little bit animated, a little bit noisy, that seems like they're enjoying worship and to say, Woo, I'm going to get some of what can go. Yeah, is that how they do it? Woo, praise the Lord. And when you do that, you'll find that your experience with God becomes, begins to increase as a result of you leaning in to the presence of God. Why? Because you're going out into the marketplace, the world, into the uh, uh, pit of hell this week. Amen. And please don't misunderstand what I'm getting ready to say, but you might leave this place and go home and go into the pit of hell because whatever's going on at home. And so you need to carry this there to change the environment. Amen. Did you do all right this morning? All right, that was number three. I might have to pass the bucket a couple more times if we, if we preach these many messages. You know? <laughs> Amen. All right. So I just wanted to encourage you because it is important for us to lift our voice. Amen. Let's just practice that for a moment. Amen. So you say, how do you do that? Well, if you hear a leader or a worship leader or a pastor saying, come on, let's just magnify the Lord. Just imitate what you hear if you don't know how. Are you ready? Hey, Matt, can you strike up some of that little pad music? I don't know if that's possible. Sorry. Matt's just good that way. Are you ready to lift your voice? We've already done it, but listen, this, this is church. This is faith school. This is learning how to flow with the Spirit of God. If all you do is have a religious action about you, is like, well, I'm going to church because that's what I do. Well, then that's all you'll get. But if you'll say, God, I want to learn how to experience you, flow with you, worship you, know you, you'll get what you put into it. Amen. Come on, lift it up just a little bit more. Come on, let's just magnify the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, we glorify your name. We worship you, we worship you. Come on, don't be bashful. Don't be afraid of your voice being heard. That's why we're here. Come on, don't think that God's intimidated by you lifting your voice. Oh, we magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. We glorify you. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Say, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, if your mouth's not moving, if there's sound that's not coming out, God's not going to make you do it. He's not going to make you love Him. He's not going to make you worship Him. He's going to say, God, or son, daughter, I want your love. I want your worship. I need your love. I need your affection. I need your attention. Oh, we worship you. We glorify you, Jesus. We magnify you. You're worthy of our praise this morning. You're worthy of the glory. You are the the one who still sits on the throne you are the great and mighty king you're the same that's yesterday today and forever oh our God he changes not and we praise you for your faithfulness we praise you for your mercy for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever we magnify and worship you Jesus we worship you we worship you oh we worship you Hallelujah. 
Glory. Glory. Oh, thank you, Lord. You'll find that as you begin to lift your voice, there will just be a sound in the Spirit. Oh, there might not even be articulated words. It's just a sound that, that, us, that arises from the, on the inside. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah, Lord. We glorify your name. We magnify you, Jesus. Yes, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Ha <laughs> Oh, we glorify your name. Lord, you're worthy of praise and honor. Ha <laughs> ha Glory to God. And if you're watching online, then you can join right in us with us as though you were here in person. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated if you can. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't want to prolong that too long because I realize that it's a growing process. And you might say, that's not my background. That's not what I'm used to. Well, listen, I want to tell you something. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be clubs up in heaven. And there's not going to be lines. And there's not going to be groups that says, hey, listen, I'm in the connect group that says uh, I was a part of the Baptist church. I'm in the group over here that was part of the Pentecostals. I'm in the group over here that was a Methodist. I'm in the group that was a Catholic. No, we are the body of Christ. And you're going to find that when you see him face to face, your religion, your tradition, your background is going out the window. And you'll be lifting your voice. Glory! Hallelujah! You'll be looking around saying, Whoo! I was going to hell, but I'm not there. I'm here. Glory to God. Oh, you're going to see Jesus face to face. See the hole in his hands, the hole in his feet. He's going to say, put your finger here. I did that for you. Oh, and you're going to be glory. I don't care if you're a Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, whatever. I tell you what, you'll get a, if you want to put a term on it, you'll get a whole lot Pentecostal when you get up in heaven because you're going to be like, oh, Jesus is so good. Amen. (laughs) Oh, are you here this morning? Are you doing okay? You know what? As time goes on, you know, there's... There are seasons where God was moving in different areas, and so we purposed to just follow the leading of the Lord. And there's times that we reached many people over the years. There was a time that we were almost 200 strong on a Sunday morning. But you know, uh, in the midst of that, we tried to spread the net so, so thin that you didn't really give people the opportunity to grow. And so what you ended up happening is is having a whole lot of baby carnal people that didn't know how to press into the presence of God. And so then when everything or anything or a hangnail popped up, they just were defeated. Rather than understanding that I know who I am in Christ and therefore I've got the victory. Amen. And so I've just come to the place that because of the hour that we're in and how blatant that the devil's being, I don't care anymore. I'm telling you, I really just don't care anymore. And it's not about having a wild, crazy service. It's just a matter of the people of God coming together and saying, we're pursuing God. Like it or leave it. If you want to leave, then you go pursue God in the way that you want to. But for here, around here, we're going to do it enthusiastically. We're going to do it with a passion because he's that good. He deserves it. And he's worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. 
Now, once again, you might say, well, I just, I don't know if I like what you're saying, Pastor. Listen, I want you to go home, and I want you just to uh, uh, take a little bit of a survey from time to time of the times that you hollered at the kids, or you hollered at the husband, or you hollered at the wife, or or, or kicked the dog, right? Listen, you're going to elevate your voice when it moves you. I said, when, when you're moved, you'll elevate your voice. Don't tell me that the irritation of your kids move you more than the love of God. That was good. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. It just came up, praise God. <laughs> Amen. This is the hour that we're living in. Are you all right with it? Praise God. So in other words, you could just say, you know, you might see me getting ugly for Jesus from time to time. Is that okay? All the kids says, please don't embarrass me. <laughs> we, we, we won't embarrass you. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Are you doing all right this morning? All right, praise God. Well, again, thank you for joining us online. All that was for free. I don't know whether you send an offering in any way, so again, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> Amen. Well, are you ready to jump into the message this morning? <laughs> hey, I've had four or five openings. I might have six closings today. Just <laughs> land the plane, baby. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, we said that the title of our series is Don't Worry, Be Happy. Well, listen, when it comes to being happy, there's something to be said for being a part of the local church. The local church is the best place to find happiness. Now, when I say happiness, we understand that happiness is really just uh, uh, the extension of an emotion. And from the standpoint of emotions, emotions come and emotions go. But really, from the standpoint of the body of Christ, there is something beyond happiness, and it's really the expression of joy. Because when you have joy, you can have a smile on your face in the midst of the greatest tribulation and trial of your life. Right? Because, again, it's not determined by emotion or how you feel. It's I know in whom I serve, and I know who has went before me. Therefore, this too shall pass. Amen. So we're going to endeavor to stir up this idea of how we can not worry and be happy. And as we've said, there's all kinds of opportunities in this hour that we're living to uh, be tempted to worry. But when it comes to happiness... Again, I'm still kind of just thinking of when we first started. When it comes to happiness, who doesn't want to be happy? I said, when it comes to being happy, who doesn't want to be happy? Now, there might be some in here that you refuse to allow yourself to be happy because you beat yourself up over things that have happened in the past. But that's just merely on you. That's merely you being uh, uh, or beating yourself up from past experiences. But if you're in Christ, the old has passed away. Behold, all has been made new, right? And so, therefore, you deserve to not only have happiness, you deserve to have the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says that it's your strength. So, once again, I believe that everybody desires to be happy. If we're going to be happy, uh, do we desire to be happy by ourselves? Or do we desire to be happy with other people? The reality is, is that I can enjoy being happy by myself, but the greatest uh, opportunity to enjoy my happiness or my joy is when I have the opportunity to, to share it or be with other people, right? 
So again, when it comes to uh, being happy, we want to share the, the experience. So what do I do? I invite somebody to be a part of my moment, right? If something good has happened, I want to tell somebody. And I want to invite you to be a part of this moment to share in the joy and the happiness. When we're happy, it's always expressed with words. Have you noticed that? Obviously, there's a countenance that we may have on our face. But when we're happy, when we have joy, it's always expressed with words. Once again, I want to tell somebody. Have you ever come in contact with somebody and, and there's just an expression on their face? They're giddy. They're smiling. Maybe it's a woman and she's glowing. And you're like, ha what's up? Oh, I was going to keep it a secret, but I just can't wait. I'm pregnant. Oh, I just had to tell somebody. Right? When you're happy, when you're full of joy, you want to express it. And it's always expressed with words. Once again, the individuals that we share our happiness and our joy with are those that are the closest to us. Why? Because those that we share our joys and our happiness, they will be the ones that celebrate with us. They will also have an anticipation along with us because they've been on the journey with us, right? And so once again, the local church is the greatest place to not worry but be happy. It's the greatest place for us to experience a corporate joy and happiness. And if you're not realizing or if you haven't realized, how many of you know that in the days in which we're living, there is a pull for a corporate worry. In the body of Christ, he's called for a corporate happiness or a corporate spirit of joy. But in the world, there is a spirit of fear that is dictating and demanding a corporate expression of worry. Have you seen that or experienced that? Absolutely. And so once again, we're endeavoring to find ourselves connected to the local church. There is a significance to the assembling together. And for us, the people of God, we live life differently than those that are in the world. I said those of us that are people of God, that live by faith, we live differently than what the world lives or how the world lives. We don't wait for things to happen we don't wait for things to happen for us or to us. We live by faith and therefore we live with an expectation. Right? I said we live with an expectation. Now, I've mentioned just personal projects that we're working on. Amanda, I'm telling you what, there's been some times where I, I'm like, God, we have been gone through the ringer. I mean, this has happened, obstacle here, obstacle there. And in the beginning, you start to get challenged in your faith. But then when you start to pray, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This needs to work in my favor. And then you get a little bit of an attitude about you. And then you start to have an expectation. You start to have an anticipation for God to move, right? And so, so as I said, in our personal journey right now, there's some things. This is like obstacle, victory. Obstacle, victory. And then we had an obstacle that seemed like we've come to the end of the road obstacle. And you have an opportunity to start to question, well, maybe it's not God. And have you ever noticed that there's people around you that, <coughs> excuse me, that will say, well, 
Maybe these obstacles are all God's way of, of not letting you have something that you shouldn't have. Have you ever had somebody say something silly like that? Well, if I know the heart of God concerning the blessing or the, the, the desires of my heart, then what I have to do is begin to engage my faith with God. And therefore, when we've seen victory after obstacle, victory after obstacle, and finally coming into a dead end where it seems like there is no more victory beyond this, it's like, well, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. My God is the God that makes a way when it seems that there is no way. So therefore, this too shall pass. <clears throat> this obstacle will move and there will be a victory. Amen. And therefore, I'm not going to let it move my joy. I'm not going to let it move my happiness. I'm not going to let it force me into worrying because I'm not going to worry. I'm going to be happy. Come on, say it with me. Don't worry. Be happy. Amen. How many of you know that there's those individuals that you'll do life with? Again, I said that there's a difference between those that live for God and those that don't. There's a way that we, the body of Christ, people of faith, live and those in the world that live. And those that are in the world typically live in a box of limitations, right? But God has not called us to live in a box of limitations. He's called us to live outside of the lines. Amen. The box will conform you and say, this is as far as you can think. This is as far as you can expect. This is as happy as it's going to be. Or we, the people of God, say, you know, I don't live within the confines of the box because my faith in my God is greater. And therefore, I'm going to live outside and I'm going to color outside the lines all day long. Come on, say, I color outside the lines. Amen. Now, once again, you're going to have all kinds of opportunities to get worried. And isn't it interesting that when worry comes, what does it do? It tries to isolate you. It tries to get you by yourself. That's why I said right from the very beginning, the significance of us not worrying and be happy is directly connected to the gathering of the people of God. Because once again, when you think about just your personal life, if you're going through something and you get with one of your faith friends and you start to talk and they start to encourage you, while you're with somebody, your mind and your thoughts are distracted because you're with them, right? And they've encouraged you and you've laughed and you've you know, had opportunities to enjoy the day and therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, the worries have, have kind of dissipated because you've been with somebody but the moment you leave their presence and you get in your car and start heading your way, starting going towards your home, then all of a sudden, worry starts to creep in and it brings the box of confinement and it wants to isolate you with your thoughts to say, hey, it's time to worry, right? So if you've ever noticed that, when you're with somebody, it's easier to be happy. So don't let the devil put you in a box or isolate you from those people that are of faith. And I'm talking specifically the people of God. Because you can have a lot of people in your circle and in your corner or people in your social gathering. But if they're not people of faith, listen, they'll, they'll, they can encourage you to the best of their ability. But I'm telling you, when, when, when push comes to shove, you'll find that those are the people that leave you quicker than, the, than anyone else. It's the people of faith that will stand by your side. So my question for you is, is, do you have faith friends that will encourage you? Have you been in this church for any length of time? And have you found people that will encourage you, that will stand by your side? Not just on Sunday morning and say, hey, how you doing? I'm saying, have you invested your life or allowed your life to be invested into so that when you go through things, when worry shows up on your door, you have the opportunity to do life with somebody and they're there to help walk you off the edge? 
See, God made us to do life with people. And as I said, worry will always endeavor to try to isolate you and live within the confines of what's ahead of you. For a believer, now listen to these words. I shared with you last week in regards to what Jesus said. Jesus is the head of the church. If you have a Bible, raise your hand if you have a Bible. Not if you brought your Bible. Just if you have a Bible. Do you have a Bible? All right. Some of you not raising your hands. I'll get you one if you don't have one. All right. Now, for some of you that have Bibles and are familiar, some of them have changed over the years in the way that they print them. But, you know, in your Bible, in my Bible, there's a specific section called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there is some red writing. And do you know what the red writing means? It means that it's words of Jesus. And if you know anything about Jesus, Jesus did not pacify people, nor did he say words that, not, that did not have weight or meaning to them. And so if Jesus said something, if it's written in red, you don't have to interpret into what he said. He means what he says. And therefore, in Matthew chapter 6, he said three times, do not worry. Do not worry about anything. And I said last week that I know that oftentimes we as individuals, we say, but it's the responsible thing to do. (laughs) If I don't worry, who's going to worry? But Jesus said, do not worry. So let me just challenge you in this, that it is never. Everybody say never. Never. Say never again. Now, just so that you didn't hear what I said or didn't hear what you said, everybody participating together. I know some of you didn't say it, but let's say it together. Let's say never. 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 Want to make sure he heard. I was <laughs> it is never okay to worry. I said it is never okay to worry. To worry is to violate what Jesus said not to do. And therefore, if I'm living a life of worry, here's what it is. The scripture says, he that knows to do good but does it not to him, it is sin. So if I live a life of worry, I'm living a life of sin. I'm not talking about that it's keeping you away from God. I'm saying that the sin or the sin of worry is keeping me from the blessing of God. He says, do not worry. And the last one, he says, don't worry even about your life. (laughs) I think I need to worry. No, he said, don't worry about nothing. Well, how do I get to that place? I get to that place by leaning on him. And one of the greatest places of leaning on him is leaning on the body of Christ, the people that you assemble with. Amen. So, well, I won't go there. We'll save that for another time, for the sake of time. Praise the Lord. You doing okay? All right, so he said, don't worry. Now, in Exodus chapter 32, to give you an example of how deadly worry is, if you recall in Exodus chapter 32, the Bible says this is directly after Moses led the children out of Egypt, out of slavery. And the Bible says that Moses goes up to spend time with God on on the mountain. And as he's on the mountain, he's going up, and God's going to give him the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are the commandments of God that are, are given so that Moses can help lead God's people. Right? 
Again, that's what we're all endeavoring to experience is the leading of God in our life to lead us to blessing, lead us to places where I'm happy and I don't have to worry. But as he's gone to get the direction and the leading and the, the commandments of God, the Bible says that people start to squabble a little bit and they start to say, you know, Moses has been gone kind of a long time. Where's he at? Uh, maybe he's not coming back. And then the Bible says that as they start to squabble, somebody says, let's make a God so that he will go before us. So the whole reason that Moses was going to meet with God was so that he could lead God's people. And the people said, now, because he's been gone so long, we're starting to worry. We don't know what the story is or what's going on. So let us make a God so that that God can go before us. Right? And then it says that God says to Moses, he says, you need to get back down there. He says, because those people have gotten so wicked. They have gotten so immoral in such a short period of time. And it's all because they started to worry. In fact, God said to Moses, he says, those little worry warts, they've gotten themselves in such a mess. He says, let me just kill them all and I'll give you a new people. <laughs> Moses says, no, God, you can't do that. He says, okay. He said, because you asked me. He says, I'll save them. He said, but you better get back down there because they're making a mess of things. Right? What caused them to look elsewhere or even to make a golden image of a calf as an idol or a god to lead them? It was because they got worried in the moment of the circumstance of saying, we don't know where to go or how to uh, live life or uh, what direction we need to go. Right? Now... Aaron, Moses' right-hand man, he's the one that suggested to the people, he says, hey, give me all your earrings, you men and women. He said, take them out of your nose, take them out of your eyebrow, take them out of your ear, take them out, take them out of everywhere else. He said, bring those earrings. And he said, we're going to melt them down and we're going to, I'll make a golden calf. Now, here's my point in saying that. Aaron... A man of God, Moses' right-hand man, fellowshipped with people that did not know how to trust God, but got themselves into a place of worry, and the worry led to places of corruption and wickedness in their own life, and it sucked in the man of God because those who he fellowshipped with, there was more worriers than those that would trust God. So if you do not have people of faith that you surround yourself with on a regular basis, you will slip into worry because it is just a natural progression. You cannot stand as an island unto yourself and not worry. You need people because it is the body of Christ that Jesus says, don't worry, be happy. Amen. We need each other. And I'm saying we need each other more than just once in a great while. And we need each other more than just on a Sunday morning. We all need some faith friends that will slap us up from time to time when we need it. I have faith friends that will slap me up from time to time when I need it. A lot of times that's my wife. Have you noticed I've been kind of just standing this way from you? Because this side's a little red and swollen. <laughs> A little puffy on this side. <laughs> Amen. As I said, 
in these days in which we're living, there is a call, there is a demand for a corporate gathering of worries or warriors. And the Bible says that concerning the children of Israel, when the calf was made, they bowed before the image. They did not just bow before the image to worship. They bowed before the spirit of worry. They bowed in subjection to worry. So what do we need? We need faith friends that will help us live a life outside of the box of conformant. Friends that will look at that box and say, you see a mountain, I see a mountain that's destroyed. You see a cross, I see an empty tomb. You see a battle, I see a victory. Come on, we got this thing and we're in it together. Amen? And so therefore, you can be a worry walker or you can be a water walker. How many want to be a water walker? For the sake of time, I won't read it there, but in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, you can read it for yourself. But if you recall, the Bible says that Jesus said to the disciples, He says, I want you to go and I'll meet you over there. They got out under the boat, sailed across the water, and a great storm arose. Right? Why did they depart to begin with? Because they were following the leading of Jesus. Did Jesus not know that there was going to be a storm? Maybe, maybe not. But the fact of the matter is, he says, I'll meet you over on the other side. So he had every intent, whether there was a storm or whether whether there was not, you don't have to worry, I'll see you over on the other side. But the Bible says that when they were out on on the water, a great storm arose. They were tossing to and fro, thundering and lightning. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus. And they're greatly afraid, thinking it's a ghost. But then Peter says, you know, it kind of looks like Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if that's you, ask me to come out on the water. And he says, come on. So Peter steps out on the water and begins to walk. But then, as he's walking out on the direction of Jesus, he takes his eyes off of Jesus starts to see the storm and the waves and hears the crashing of the thunder. And the Bible says that in that moment, worry crept into his his heart and his thinking and he began to sink. And in that moment, Jesus reached out his hand and brought him back up. Right? Now, I don't know if you got the revised version of the Bible. It just came out new. But it said when Jesus pulled out Peter, it says that they swam back to the boat. You got that translation? You don't got that translation? Oh, maybe I'm mistaken. No, the Bible does not say that Jesus lifted up Peter and they swam back to the boat through all the waves and climbed up into the boat. No, the Bible says that he took them by the hand and they walked back to the boat. And Jesus' response was, Peter, where's your faith? And we've oftentimes heard that is saying Jesus rebuked his faith or for the lack of having faith. I believe there's also an additional rebuke, and that is this. Peter, did you not know that I was on the water with you? And when you came out and started to do life with me in the corporate body, I was with you. You weren't by yourself. I was with you. You walked on the water, but then you allowed worry to isolate you, and all you saw on the water was you and the waves, and you started to sink. And he says, in the moment you stepped back up on the water was when I grabbed you by the hand. But I was there all along. Why did you worry? Where was your faith? You see, 
when we get into worry, oftentimes it's because we have allowed the enemy to isolate us, and that's part of the strength of the body of Christ. We need each other, and especially in the hour that we're living, we need each other to lift each other up. Amen. You doing okay? Do you recall that in Matthew's gospel, again, or Mark's gospel, rather, again, for the sake of time, I won't read it. But there is a man, a father, and he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I've been worried about my son, but because of what I've heard, I've sought your audience. I've come to be with you. And if all's what I've heard, I'm coming to you so that I don't have to worry about my son any longer. And Jesus said to him, he says, if you can believe, it's possible. And he says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And then Jesus turned to the spirit and rebuked the spirit that afflicted the son. The spirit that afflicted the son was the same spirit that was afflicting the father in worry. So what am I saying to you? When we surrender or submit to fear, you're not submitting to an emotion. You're submitting to a, de a devilish spirit that is plaguing and wanting to torment your mind. And it was when this man sought to be in the company of Jesus. There was something about Jesus that says, you can do something. And upon being in this company, worry was broken. Amen. Why are you needed? Why are you needed in this world today? Why are you needed in this hour? Because God has called each and every one of us to be people that will start a fire, that will start a revival. Why? Because we're not afraid of the days in which we're living. We're worry-free because we know who we are and we know whom we serve. And therefore, when you're standing strong in the midst of the storm, there are going to be those people that can't, can't come to you like they came to Jesus that says, if you can do anything, please help me. And you'll say, you know what? It's this dumb spirit that we've given place. In Jesus' name, you foul spirit, get out of here. Amen. And you'll set somebody's life free. Some of you in here might be tormented with worry this morning. Some of you that are watching have been tormented with worry. It's time that you get with some people that will come alongside of your faith. Get four crazy friends of faith that will rip the roof off the the house and get you in front of Jesus. Amen? You need some faith, friends, today. Well, I've given you four sermons this morning, so I'll wrap it up there. There's some more that I want to say, but I'm going to have to save that for next week. You'll have to come back. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Can we stand? <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that there's a, there's a turning in the hearts of every single person that's here. God, you have not called us to be mamby-pamby, wimpy Christians in this hour. You've called us to be steadfast. You've called us to be strong. You've called us to be men and women of faith that will rock this world. God, I thank you that there is a scenery change. 
there's a scenery change in our homes, in our personal lives, in our church, and in our community. Because, God, we refuse to worry. And we choose to be happy. For this is the hour of great things. Yes, this is the year and this is the hour of greater. Greater things are still ahead. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that there's greatness. Greatness shut up on the inside of us. There's great exploits that are waiting to be revealed. There's people that are waiting to receive Christ and come into eternal life. And I thank you that in this hour, we're choosing to not worry, but be happy. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.